Well, guys, good to see you all. Um, welcome to Large Group. Glad, uh, glad to have you guys. Um, I don't know if it shows it on your screen, but on the top left corner of my screen, it shows that it's recording right now. And um, just so you know, I'm recording the uh, devotional part of this, and we'll just kind of use the audio um, and post it to our podcast uh, for those who couldn't make it tonight but want to, you know, want to listen. Um, and that's the only part I'll record and post. So, but essentially, here's the here's kind of the plan for tonight. Um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 126 together. So, if you have a Bible or um, if you want to pull pull up that passage on your Bible app. Actually, I'll, share, I'll also share, share my screen and I'll throw the scripture up there. Um, but we'll look at that passage together. Um, I'll give like a short 15-minute devotional maybe. And, um, and then after that, uh, I'll send you guys into breakout rooms. rooms. Um, tried to combine rooms and groups there. So grooms, uh, breakout rooms uh, for probably around the same amount of time, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I've got three discussion questions that I wrote. Um, they're pretty straightforward, pretty simple, but just to get you guys thinking and talking about the passage that we're looking at tonight. So after that, um, we'll regroup. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts and maybe any questions that you guys might have. Uh, we can kind of talk through that together for a few minutes, and then I'll send you off with a blessing. So that's the plan for tonight. So like I said, we're going to be in Psalm uh, 126. And actually, over the next couple weeks, uh, minus next week, because next week is Easter break, so we won't have large group next week. But for the weeks after that, uh, we'll be in the Psalms primarily. And the reason why we're going to be in the Psalms uh, is, well, it, it actually would help to share just a, a really short story. Um, uh, the other day, um, and this, ha this actually happened to, this, is hap this has happened to three out of four Goy's Weddas so far uh, during this uh, uh, social distancing period, but three or four of us have completely forgotten which day it is, which day of the week it is. And so I think Amanda thought that Friday was Saturday. I thought that Sunday was Saturday. Uh, even Emma um, Emma forgot what day it was. We were driving uh, past Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and she said, hey, let's go, let's go to Chick-fil-A, even though her favorite song right now is Closed on Sunday by Kanye West. So she should know, um, especially because she always orders the number one with the lemonade, she should know that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. But anyway, um, how does that relate to the Psalms? Um, I bring that up is just to just to highlight how disorienting this season can be. I mean, we've been kind of flung out of our normal familiar routines and even flung out of our like normal familiar places. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly experienced kind of the full range of emotions just in the past couple weeks. Everything from um Everything from sadness and disappointment, um, confusion, all the way to even some measure of hope or relief, maybe even a bit of gratitude. Um, and then not only that, like there's so many questions that have been swirling around in my head. And I imagine that you've got tons of questions swirling around in your head too. Like 
how long is this going to last? How long is social distancing going to go on for? Uh, am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? You know, when am I going to see my friends again? Um, and then even more than that, um, you know, what is Davidson going to do in place of graduation? What's next fall going to look like? Um, how do long distances relation long distance relationships work? Uh, whatever happened to my independence? Is God really in control? Does God really care about me? Does he really care about us? So we've got all these um, questions, this whole range of emotions, and it's just like a really kind of disorienting whirlwind of a time right now. And that's why we're in the Psalms. It's because in the midst of a really disorienting, chaotic season, the Psalms help us to reorient our lives toward God. And they invite us and encourage us to come to him with all of our raw emotions and all of our honest questions um, because he, he can handle it. He can handle them. So, uh, so that's why we're in the Psalms. We're in Psalm 126 tonight, which is, um, it's, it's actually both a lament, a Psalm of lament, and it's a Psalm, a song of ascents. Um, and we'll talk about what those things are briefly in a little bit, but, um, all that to say, Psalm 126 is especially helpful for us um, in answering kind of our questions and addressing our emotions. It helps us to really think through what does it look like to reorient, reorient our lives toward God in the midst of this disorienting time. So I'm going to read this uh, for us. I'll pray and then we'll, we'll jump into this passage together. Psalm 126, a song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, Bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Would you guys pray with me? Father in heaven, um, Lord, we're grateful that we can come to you tonight, uh, even as we're apart from one another. Um, Lord, thank you for this technology that allows this to take place. Uh, thank you for your word and for how you send it to comfort your people. Uh, we pray that you would uh, comfort us tonight through your word, that it would be a balm, a salve to our hearts, um, that it would um, bring healing to our bones. Uh, we pray that you would even fill us with joy during this really disorienting time and help us to be able to comfort others who are uh, in distress even now. So would you do all this through the power of Jesus and through the presence of your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, before uh, Fixer Upper, uh, there was another HGTV show that Amanda and I really got into. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. The show Love It or List It. 
you guys heard of it or seen it, some of you are nodding your heads. For those of you who haven't seen Love It or List It, A, you're missing out, and B, um, here's what it's about. So every episode kind of highlights or showcases a family who has outgrown their home. Uh, so their home is either too small or maybe too kind of like in too much disarray for them to continue to live in. And so what the show does is they bring in both a realtor and a home designer. And the realtor's job is to convince the family that, look, their dream home is just a few blocks away. Um, all you have to do is sell your current home and buy your, I'll help you buy your dream home and you'll be set. And the home designer, what she, what she tries to do is takes, I don't know how long it is, four weeks, six weeks, something like that. But she takes their old home, their current home and completely renovates it. Like restores it from top to bottom, like strips it down to the studs uh, and completely re redesigns, uh, renews their current home. And so at the end of every episode, the family uh, gets invited back to their old home that's now renovated. And they're with the realtor and the home designer and they're faced with this question. Uh, do you want to sell your home and buy this other home which would be the realtors, you know, that's what he's trying to get them to do. Or will you stay? Will you love your renovated home and stay in it, which is what the designer's trying to do. So that's, the, that's where the title love it or list it comes from. And without fail, like at the end of every episode, when, when the family's faced with that choice, um, I always, at least internally, but sometimes even externally, I'm like crying out to the family. Like I, I'm not there with the family, but like I'm crying out to the television screen. Love it. Like I'm always rooting for love it. If they had like a t-shirt that said team love it, I would, I would order it. If you see that on Etsy or whatever, just let me know. I'll probably get it. But I always just want them to fall back in love with their home that has been completely restored and renewed. And renovated and I don't think I'm the only one that's in that kind of camp I mean now on HGTV there's like a dozen different home renovation shows and it, it's it's become a really popular kind of genre and I think the reason for that is because deep down in every one of us there's this longing for restoration Deep down in every one of us, we know that it's supposed to be that broken down. Um, the world is broken. Uh, relationships are broken. Homes are broken. Um, and so there's this longing for um, the world to be made, made right again and all things in it to be made right again. And that's, that's really at the heart of Psalm 126. At the heart of Psalm 126 is this longing for restoration, is this longing for renewal. I mean, did you guys catch it? Um, it's all throughout the passage, but it's especially clear in verse 4 which those words, look at, look at those words again. It, it's this cry out to the Lord, restore our fortunes. 
O Lord. And in just a second, we're just going to kind of walk through this psalm together. But uh, before we do that, I just want to point out that this is the good news of Psalm 126. This is the gospel of Psalm 126. We have a God who invites us to cry out to him in our disorientation, in our distress, in our affliction, in our complicated home situations, in our stressful relationships with our siblings, um, in our struggles to stay motivated. In all of that, we have a God who invites us to cry out to him for restoration. And so as we read on, I don't want us to lose sight of that, this good news. Um, we're invited to cry out for restoration, not to some inanimate TV screen that can't hear us or answer us back, but we're called to cry out to the living God who does hear us and will act. So let's, um, let's dive in together. Um, I'm going to kind of go through this just sequentially, kind of verse by verse, section by section. I'll, I'll point out a few things, and then at the end, um, I'll give us some takeaways, some things that we can um, uh, maybe take, take from this passage and apply it to our lives. So uh, let's go, let's just start in the beginning. Look at verse one. Uh, in verses one through three, that first chunk, that first section, maybe in your Bible, it's kind of separated off from the rest. Um, but those th first three verses, they recall a time in the past when God restored Israel. So look with me. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream that our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. And like with many other Psalms, uh, in this Psalm, we don't really know the exact occasion or context for this past restoration of God's people. Uh, I mean, was the psalmist remembering a time when God delivered his people from a famine? Uh, was it maybe when God rescued them from an enemy or brought them back from captivity? Or even, and this kind of hits close to home, was it a time when God healed and rescued them from a plague, from some sort of pestilence? We don't know. Uh, we don't know the exact um, situation. And that's probably intentional. It's it's probably left generic and open-ended so that God's people from any age, from any era could easily see themselves and, and read their own situation into this text, into this passage. And so that's the first thing that we need to realize is that through, through, the, through the words of scripture, through the words of Psalm 126, um, we are invited to, we're encouraged to look back and call to mind the times in which God has restored his people in the past. And so, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're part of the uh, wilderness generation, kind of wandering through the wilderness with uh, Moses, and maybe you look back on God's faithfulness to Abraham. Uh, maybe you were living under the time of the divided kingdom and you were looking back to the days of uh, Solomon and David and remembering when everything was united. Um, maybe you were living during the time of the persecuted church and you were recalling um, God's restoration through the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
but then even now today um, you and I have a lifetime worth of memories in which God has demonstrated his faithfulness to us and how he's restored us, delivered us from secret sins, um, graciously delivered us out of addictions. Um, whatever the case may be, um, we're invited to remember, to recall that time in the past when God has restored his people. So that's the, that's the first part. Um, if we move down to verse four, and this really is the heart of the psalm, um, verse four is this, this present cry out to God to restore his people right now. So verse four, that the, the mood changes from the indicative to the imperative, it's the only imperative in this psalm, but that, that is to say it's a, it's a command. Uh, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. And um, um, even if you grew up in the church, um, you might not know what the Negev is or what that refers to. Um, and that word is actually the name of a place. It's the southern region of the land of Israel, which like for millennia has been just this really dry, arid kind of desert land. And so this image of streams in the Negev um, is this image of, of flourishing and renewal. And you can imagine how um, like a sudden downpour uh, would bring life and vegetation out of like dry dust. Um, you know, think about like, like, so like just the other morning, uh, normally our girls like to watch uh, Disney junior cartoons in the morning. Um, but a couple, couple mornings ago, we actually put on um, a Disney nature film documentary uh, that just came out called Elephant. And, you know, it's a good, good documentary. You can go see it if you want. But, but of course, there was one of those kind of ubiquitous scenes in all of these nature films where you have like this time lapse scene of this like vast desert. And in the span of like 10 or 15 seconds, you see like a deluge and all these like dry uh, kind of like crusty valleys filled with water and then green starts sprouting up everywhere. You know, you can see, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about, like that time lapse of like this, the seed or the kernel. And then there's like the shoot that turns into a grass. And then all of a sudden it's a tree and there's, you know, whatever, uh, animals out the wazoo. Um, that's, that's the image that this Psalm is, is calling to mind. Um, just as kind of sudden and just as powerful as like a downpour can bring life to a dry desert, uh, that is how God can bring restoration to his people. In an instant, he could restore his people powerfully. Um, and so that's what, um, that's what we are, again, that's what we're actually called to do in the here and now, after recalling his past faithfulness, his past restoration, in the midst of our distress, we're to cry out to God to restore us, his people, to bring life again um, to places that are barren. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
and then really that brings us, um, yeah, that brings us to kind of the last section of the text, um, verses five through six. And so in those last couple of verses, um, we're invited to envision a fully restored future. We're invited to envision a, a fully restored uh, future and kind of to drive home the fact that when God um, restores his people, he doesn't, he doesn't jip his people out of anything. Um, he doesn't jip his children when he restores them from affliction. Um, this really drives that point home. So if you look at verses five and six, they say, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Uh, we've moved from past tense to present tense, and now we're in the future tense. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Um, so the image is clearly uh, an agricultural image. We've got um, a group of farmers or even just one farmer who, um, for whatever reason, as he's sowing, as he's planting seed, he's weeping, he's crying, he's mourning, he's lamenting. We don't know why. Again, that actually helps us to read ourselves in the passage and to own this for ourselves. But for whatever reason, he's crying as he's reaping. But this vision of the future is that when the harvest comes, and it will come, he is going to reap. He's going to reap sheaves or bundles of, of the harvest. And he's going to do it with shouts of joy. And just a couple of observations uh, before we get to some takeaways. Uh, the first is that... Um, this hopeful vision of the future, of future restoration, it doesn't ignore the real pain of the present. I mean, though the farmer reaps with shouts of joy, he sows with tears. And so I think what this shows us is that God acknowledges our real pain. He sees our tears and he doesn't crop them out of the picture of future restoration. In fact, I think you could argue that just as God used the farmer's tears to water the seeds and eventually bring about a harvest, he will use your pain and my pain to bring about our joyful restoration. At the very least, we don't have to ignore or numb our pain in order to hope for and long for a joyful future. Those two things are not um, mutually exclusive. And, and so going back to something I said earlier, remember this is both a psalm of lament and a song of ascents, which means that God, the song of ascents part means that God's people would sing this as a song as they were making their pilgrimage, their journey to Jerusalem and to the temple, Mount Zion, uh, for various festivals and uh, for holy days. Uh, a, a friend of mine points out that, um, you know, just as we kind of have this vast Rolodex of like Christmas carols that we have memorized because we sing it every Christmas time, um, the Song of Ascents, God, uh, God's people would have had those memorized. It would have been a part of them as they would sing it every time they would go to Jerusalem to observe the holy days and to celebrate the feasts and the festivals. 
and yet while they're doing that, while they're marching up to Zion, anticipating communing with God, they're still bringing the full range of emotions with them. They're not leaving out their pain, their sorrow. They're actually bringing their lament with them to God. It's a both and, uh, not an either or. Um, the second observation, especially of these last two verses, um, is that there's actually this emphasis, um, and it, there's this emphasis on the fact that the future restoration is certain. And it's hard, it's a little bit hard to see in our English translation in like the ESV um, or in most English translations. But if you look at verse six, so our, our text says, he who goes out weeping, um, the Hebrew, if, if you were to translate it more literally, kind of word for word, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't translate, but it's, that verb is doubled, it's repeated. So it would be like, he who goes, goes out weeping. And then the second part of that, it says, shall come home. Again, the Hebrew is like, shall come, come home with shouts of joy. And the reason, like, I mean, you can see why they left that out in the translation. It doesn't make sense to us. But in Hebrew, it's common to repeat verbs, the same verb, twice in a row. And the way that kind of translates is this sense of emphasis. Um, you could almost insert the word like surely or verily or truly or certainly. And so, so read this, read verse six again with that in mind. He who certainly goes out weeping shall certainly come home with, sh with shouts of joy. Just as real as our pain is now, that's how real the shouts of joy will be when God fully restores his people. Um, and then the last takeaway, um, just really simply, there's, there's more joy in the future restoration than there ever was in any of the previous restorations. And you see that because of that repeated phrase, shouts of joy. It comes up twice in this future vision of restoration in verses five and six. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Um, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for showing shall come home with shouts of joy. And that's not to say that there wasn't any joy previously, but just like, just like Job, um, who lost everything. Um, those of you who know the story of Job, uh, he lost all of his wealth, all of his possessions, all of his family, uh, except for his wife, but he even lost his own health. Just as he lost everything, at the end of the book of Job, we see that the Lord restores everything twofold. He has twice as much at the end as he did at the beginning. And actually the same, if you were to look this up um, at the very end of Job, I think it's Job 42 verse 10. It's the same exact phrase that we see in Psalm 126, talking about the Lord restoring the fortunes of Job, of his servant Job. All that to say, um, we don't know what our future restoration is gonna look like in detail, 
but we do know that it's going to be far greater than anything we've ever experienced ever before. And that's what we're called uh, to hope in. Um, so just a, just a few takeaways from this psalm, and then I'll, I'll send you off into your, your breakout groups. Um, the first takeaway is remember that this psalm, like all psalms, weren't written as poems to be read and analyzed solely. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, we kind of just did that. <laughs> um, but they were written as songs to be sung. And so um, I would encourage you, this is actually going to be my, my first takeaway. I would encourage you to go and listen to that recording of Psalm 126 that um, was sent out in the email earlier this afternoon. Uh, it's by a band called Bifrost Arts. Um, listen to it once or twice. I, I'd imagine that it'll probably get stuck in your head, which is a good thing. Um, we're going to be meditating on something this during this time, whether it's meditating on the news or the stock market or meditating on our future, you know, uncertainties. Um, I would just encourage you to meditate on the song of Psalm 126. So check out that song. That song. Again, it's, it should be in your email. Second takeaway is remember that all of the pronouns in this psalm are plural. That is to say that this is a song that we sing together. It's not just something that I sing or that you sing but this is our song. It's been given to us as a community of faith. And so as you sing Psalm 126 to yourself, and I hope you do, um, don't be afraid to sing it to others. And I actually, actually do mean that literally, like don't be afraid to sing this to other people. But even if you're, you know, you're not inclined to do that, um, share the hope that you gain from this Psalm with others, especially with those that you know are in, uh, in distress. And then the last takeaway, um, so Easter's coming up on Sunday. Easter is the promise. Easter is the guarantee that our joy will be restored. You know, if, um, if a repeated Hebrew verb can kind of underscore the certainty of our restoration, how much more will the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead underscore the certainty of our restoration? We, we, real, we really will uh, reap with shouts of joy. And that's how we can sing and actually mean that song that we sing in RUF a lot, uh, We Will Feast in the House of Zion. Um, the resurrection of Jesus, Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday means that we can be certain that we will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say together, we will feast and weep no more. We will do that because Jesus has risen from the dead and we too will rise again and be fully and finally restored.